Hello, it's Natalie Pinkham here from the F1 Nation podcast. It's the show where me, Beyond the Grid's Tom Clarkson, the 96 world champ Damon Hill and big F1 guests chat F1 every Tuesday. Now, I'm sneaking onto the Beyond the Grid podcast feed because Tom, Damon and I would like to share our pre-season bonus episode with you. You'll hear all the news, views and clues from three days of track action in Barcelona to get you excited for the 2022 F1 season. If you like what you hear, come and join us every week. You can find us right here on this very podcast app. Just search for F1 Nation. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy our pre-season bonus episode. Hello from the pre-season shakedown in Barcelona. I'm in the pit lane, and the noise you've just heard is Lewis Hamilton zipping past the pits in his all-new Silver Arrow, the car that he hopes will take him to an eighth world title this season. And that was Max Verstappen, hoping to repeat his title success of last year. All of the cars look very different this year, the result of the biggest rule change for 40 years. They all look beautiful in their own ways, but not all of them are fast. After these early shakedowns, we finally have some lap times to talk about to try and work out who's hot and who's not. And talking of shakedowns, Damon, Natalie and I need a shakedown as well to get us ready for 2022. So this is a pre-season bonus episode from Barcelona. Welcome to F1 Nation. It was good to be back in the car after a few months. It's, it's good to feel the speed of the F1. I think they look cool as well, so it's always nice to jump into. The expectation is excitement. I think it's one of the most exciting and interesting seasons we've ever embarked on. Exciting times ahead then. Now I'm back in my hotel here in Granoles, near the racetrack. Let's call up Damon and Natalie. Guys, are you there? Hello. Hello. Hello, Tom. We're back. We're back, baby. <laughs> How exciting. We're back. I'm in a hotel room. Uh, Damon's in his man cave. And Natalie, you're where? Snuggled up in the spare room in West London, about to go and watch Brentford take on Newcastle in a big old battle at the bottom of the table, uh, swiftly followed by England playing Wales. Divided household. Busy day ahead. But wasn't it good to hear the drivers being so upbeat just then? Oh, it really was. I mean, this is a new era, isn't it, Damon? We've got so much to be excited about. It's all changed. Very bad positive as well from, from Lewis. Of course, obviously a lot of discussion about whether he'd be back. There he is. He's saying he's it's the most exciting thing he's embarked on or biggest change he's embarked on. So new things to look forward to. I mean, I've seen a few photographs and, and been following it on the, on the internet and coverage of what, whatever coverage we could get. The cars are so different every Every single one of them looks completely different. But all stunning. I mean, I have, I've yet to see one that I don't think is an absolute beauty. Yeah, they're all strange, some strange shapes out there as well, Tom. Can I reassure you guys, having seen three days of this shakedown, I've been trackside on every single day. The cars really are stunning. And I know some people were worried about the speed of them, you know, with predictions of them being four seconds a lap slower than last year. No, 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 no. 
They are beautiful and they are really, really fast. And they also punish mistakes. They're more than 40 kilos heavier than last year, which means when you get it wrong, you have to get right out of the throttle just to correct the mistake. So I think we're going to see better racing, but we're going to see really fast lap times as well. I'm really genuinely really excited about it. OK, well, what is the time difference then? Because I'm hearing about a second a lap. Is that more accurate? Um, I think the fastest lap on Friday by Lewis Hamilton was two and a half seconds slower than his pole time at the Spanish Grand Prix last year. But of course, that would have been in more favourable conditions. It would have been warmer. And we're right at the beginning of the development phase of these new cars. So I think by the time we get to the Spanish Grand Prix this year, at the end of May, I think they're going to be, they're not going to be as fast, but you could see them, I think, only a second off. So, yes, all changed, new regulations, new cars and some new structure in the FIA. So there will be plenty of people out there that are still reeling from what happened in Abu Dhabi, Damon. And rightly so. There was a lot of grievance as the way things were handled. Have the FIA done enough? The FIA want it not to be like that ever again. They're doing what they can to, to change things. They've got Herbie Blash has been brought back in, as we understand, to, to sit on the wing, uh, on the shoulders of the guys who, the other, the new race directors, and Tom can um, tell us who those people are. Damon, it's interesting. It's race directors, isn't it? We're not replacing Massey with one person. We're going to have two rotating race directors, Niels Vitic and Eduardo Freitas. Uh, they were both at this shakedown in Barcelona observing... They built race control as if this were a Grand Prix weekend so that Niels and Eduardo uh, could contact all of the um, people on the pit wall. That's still going to be allowed. There still will be radio traffic between race control and uh, the team managers. But one of the new things that's coming in for 2022 is that we won't have the likes of Toto Wolff and Christian Horner uh, berating the race directors. Uh, they won't be allowed to communicate. But... To, to replace one guy, A, with two people, and then to bring in this uh, VAR system, remote VAR system, to give them backup as well, suggests that the FIA is holding its hands up and saying, Massey had too much going on. Mm. You see, I think, I think you, just, you just raised an interesting point there, Tom. Is, was he necessarily sacrificed? I, I mean, I, I feel sorry for the guy, and we've had drivers say so um, this week. You know, he, they've, they've come out and said that, you know, he did a good, in, a good job under difficult circumstances. I personally think that the situation and the structure of the way uh, his job was, he was expected to operate was the problem. I, I'm not saying that it was right that what happened, but I, I think that we could see clearly th during the season there was confusion being thrown into decision making and pressure being thrown in by um, some of the uh, team bosses. And, and, of course, the pressure of being on, on TV and those, those conversations being broadcast. So if they fix that, I'm not sure they needed to get rid of Michael. But, you know, you can also say that because of his role in the matter, it would have been controversial to keep him on. So not, not a happy ending to last year, quite honestly, from lots of different... Which was such a shame given the season we had. But we've said this time and time again, as fans, we just want clarity and consistency. And I think both were lacking, not just at the last race of the season, but a number of times throughout the year. And, you know, given the technical changes and the massive regulation changes this year, we're going to need both of those in abundance if we're going to get through 2022 without more issues. It'll be 
debated forever. Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton put on a fantastic show for us last year. And everyone else raced really hard. And we had some great racing. It's a shame that it was um, muddled at the end. But as you say, onward and upward, and we have got so much to look forward to in 2022. So should we crack on with that? I'm excited to talk about this coming season, um, Natalie and Tom. I mean, I'm absolutely, this is just the, as you just said, but it's the biggest change. What is it, 40 years, you said, Tom, in the technical regulations? Yeah, I think I think since 1982. So that was, that was when they got rid of ground effect. No, that's 82. Yeah, was when they, they had it in... For 83. They changed it for 83, yeah. And the irony is we got it back. <laughs> we got it. Back to the future. So we finally got some lap times on the timing screens. We've got loads to talk about. Who's looking good after this three-day shakedown? And who's still got work to do before Bahrain? And what on earth is F1's problem with porpoising? Who is the hare? Who is the porpoise? Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not the laughter you were expecting, was it? The porpoise. <laughs> is a porpoise a mammal or a fish? It's a mammal, isn't it? What is the porpoise? I thought you were talking a New York accent. <laughs> well, whether it's a fish or a mammal, it was the talk of the paddock porpoising. One of the challenges with this new generation of F1 car, and we're going to explain it all later. And we'll also get the inside line on these new cars from one of the tech chiefs at Aston Martin. This is tearing the rule book up and starting totally again. As engineers, we're always trying to make the cars as fast as possible. So TC, what is the word in the paddock? What are the drivers saying about these new cars? Everyone is very upbeat, uh, without exception, actually. Um, I think some of the drivers were a bit nervous coming into the shakedown, didn't know what to expect. Um, as I said earlier, they're more than 40 kilos heavier. And Lewis in particular, Lewis Hamilton, has always been very anti these heavy cars. And they do look a little bit sluggish, you know, through the chicane at the end of the lap round Barcelona. But through the quick stuff... They are completely awesome. Um, you know, through turn three, the long right-hander, it's just stunning. They're absolutely nailed. Nailed all the way around there. And then when you combine that level of performance with what I think is a really good look. I think the low-profile Pirelli tyres uh, are, are a big plus. They're also very positive about the tyre degradation. That's a step forward as well. Yes, it's cool track conditions, but um, it seems that Pirelli have got a handle on uh, the deg that has slightly dominated tyre performance over the last few years. So that should allow them to go harder for longer. Are they going to be able to follow closer? That's another interesting development with these new cars in terms of, you know, the wake from the, uh, the aerodynamic wake of the cars has been thrown up into the air, allowing hopefully the cars behind to follow closer. And that seems to be the case as well. So it's just very positive and I'm just very excited to see A, how quickly they develop and B, of course, what it's going to be like when we get to Bahrain for the first race. I mean, that's positive if they are much better this, the drivers are saying they're nailed through the faster corners um, because it does suggest that they're, you know, obviously generating a lot of downforce. Um, and have you heard any of them comment on 
what it's like. How did they, has any of them followed deliberately to try and prove this this argument that the, the new regulations will enable cars to race through the faster sections? Well, they did trial that at this shakedown. You, you did see them running nose to tail. Um, we saw George Russell and Lando Norris on the last day do quite a few laps, one behind the other. George was very interesting afterwards saying there's less of, of the snap oversteer and understeer that you used to get when following another car but he thinks the slipstream effect is less so you're getting less suction um, as you as you get up to behind another car so he was a little bit indifferent as to whether it's actually going to improve overtaking but we will at least see them running closer I think for longer. Well, in the meantime, shall we hear from Charles Leclerc on how closely he believes these new cars can follow each other? I'll say from three seconds to one second behind the car in front, you actually uh, can follow closer. Then from one second to five tenths, I'll say it's similar to the feeling I had last year. And then from five tenths to extremely close, then this is much better than last year. So, uh, yeah, it is uh, it is nice. It's it's interesting. I mean, I'll have to do uh, a bit uh, of more laps behind uh, behind a car, but yeah, it's looking good for now. Well, that is really encouraging, Damon, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, I'm trying to imagine how he's managed to get within half a tenth of, of a car um, uh, in, in the shakedown and be able to ascertain whether it's better or not. I mean, so he's obviously out there pretty close to a car in front, but he's found out that it's much better much closer and he didn't wait what he didn't do was differentiate which in what speed corners but i'm presuming he means you know medium to fast corners there you see someone like barcelona is one of the was one of the worst circuits from a point of view of formula one racing because it's got long medium to fast corners all over the place you know there are not that many uh, big stops there's a long straight but that's the only place really so most of the time you're in if you're following a car you're getting affected by its by its draft and and the, what they've done is they've changed the regs to to throw the air up and and create a kind of open space underneath which has got cleaner air so that before they used to kind of sweep it back and you get this very disturbed air right behind which would have created the draft so they're losing the draft, but they're gaining the downfall. So that, but it, it, the most important thing for a, circ, a place like Barcelona is whether or not you can continue to get close to someone if you're faster through the corner, because basically the whole circuit is all corner. So if, Barcelona will be the best test, actually, of whether or not these regs are working. Okay, so they look good, they sound good. Reliability in the main has been pretty impressive. A huge amount of laps clocked up over the last few days. Mercedes scored a 1-2 on Friday's timesheets. Lewis Hamilton ahead of George Russell. But George is definitely not getting carried away. Lap time-wise, I don't think it's representative at all. We're obviously on the softest compound of tyres. Um... And the C5 is a, is a very strong tyre around this track. So even though it was on the top of the timesheets, I wouldn't read too much into it. I think the Ferrari and the McLaren were looking incredibly strong. And um, I think we got a, got some improvements to, to be made as we're not fully happy with the, the balance of the car and the, the limitations we have currently. But at the end of the day, it is only testing we're here to learn. And I think we have taken some good... Uh, we've, we've made some good experiments this weekend and got a good indication of the direction we need to go in. He has just slipped straight into the role, hasn't he? He sounds so calm and confident. I know it's been a long time coming and he said himself it felt like a very natural process, but he just seems so assured and ready for this challenge. 
Yeah, and quick in the car as well. You know, really close to Lewis on that final day. And he's speaking with authority. As you say, it's like he was born to do it. You know, some some guys arrive in that sort of situation and are slightly in awe and it takes them a few months just to get up to speed. George, <laughs> George straight in, ready to go. Although I don't believe a word he's saying about uh, the pecking order there. I think Mercedes are looking incredibly strong. Yes, you don't want to read too much into lap times. But, you know, they did 1,800 Ks over those three days. You'd have to say, Tom, looking at the Merc, it's one of the least radical-looking cars Hmm. um, out Ah, there, isn't it? Damon, I was coming to that. In terms of the side pods, particularly. We're getting a big, big upgrade for Bahrain from Mercedes. Right. So it's going to look completely different. Ferrari believe it's more of a B-spec car, a bit mm. like they did back in 2019 when they turned up with a very basic car for the, the first, I think that was called a test back then, for the first test, and then an almost completely new car for test two. Ferrari expecting Mercedes to be doing that again this year. Quite how you do that in this budget cap era, I've got no idea. I mean, how Mercedes and Red Bull, the top four fastest times of these three shakedown days... Mercedes, Mercedes, then Red Bull, Red Bull. They are the two teams that fought all of last year. Red Bull in particular kept developing their car right through to the end of the season. How they've come out and looked so impressive so early on with these new cars is extraordinary. Mm. And, you know, other teams claiming, oh, you can't do anything with the budget cap, which is down to 140 million this year. Well, Red Bull and Mercedes are proving that there are ways of developing your car bringing in massive upgrades within the budget cap. But but interestingly, it's not just about resource and money. It's about the sort of mental capacity and the emotion behind it. As you say, the focus was was so intense last year. But to be able to sort of mentally wipe the canvas clean and start afresh after how that must have taken so much out of them, both as teams, that battle between them. And yet there's no signs of that when you see them hit the ground running as they have in Barcelona. But, but I mean, you know, you know um, Natalie and Tom, you know, you guys work around the clock basically on this job, don't you? I mean, it's not, it's not like there's never, there's never, I mean, okay, you're going to go to a football match later this afternoon or whatever you're going to do or rugby, was it? I don't know. Just be a full-time mum. And you're That's a mum. That's more and, 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 <laughs> But you know, it is incredible how these organisations, you can throw budget cap at them, you can throw technological changes, reg- regulations, and they just don't miss a beat. It is absolutely phenomenal um, the way they, they manage these things and, and cope with what what's thrown at them. Uh, they set the standard, really, for this. That's why people are so impressed. I mean, I get asked to go and do chats about Formula One to companies, and they want to know more. They want to know about the organization of these teams as much as they do about the drivers and you know who's racing who because it is so impressive absolutely as you say tom the silver arrows did 393 laps in those three days not as many as ferrari who topped the chart with a whopping 439 which according to team principal mattia bonotto was a very good early sign we did a lot of laps what that was important since day one since the first morning collecting data and i think it uh, it was important because these cars are so different that the first objective is try to learn them and so far we have certainly collected a lot of data now the correlation will be an exercise of the next days back in maranello uh, really try to cross correlating all the data and let's see if that's uh, if it's fitting well but the car is is behaving well overall so we are not expecting big issues in terms of correlations but it's 
it's not a matter of finding issues, it's a matter of optimizing the final performance, which is always a matter of details. Mercedes believe that Ferrari are several months ahead in the development curve to everybody else. And that probably makes sense because remember we had the sliding scale of air, uh, wind tunnel time uh, was brought in last year and Ferrari finished sixth. The only good thing about Ferrari having that horrible season back in 2020 when they finished sixth was that they got a huge amount more wind tunnel time to develop this car last year relative to everybody else. So I think Mercedes saying that they are several months ahead is probably true. And it did look very good on track, apart from the porpoising, which we'll come to later. But I maintain that I think Mercedes and Red Bull are, are keeping their powder dry for now and looking very, very strong. We used to, when we went testing, and I was a couple of times, I was fortunate to be with Williams and they had a huge advantage over the opposition. So we'd, we'd always run with quite a lot of fuel on board and never want to show our hand. But even then, we'd still be quite quick but uh, people didn't know quite how quick we were because they will be going back and going have we they've done something different to their front wing have we done the right thing of what are they doing so they'll be doing a lot of analyzing of each other um, uh, in this period and there'll be questions the designers will inevitably be wondering whether they've gone down a blind alley or whether they've gone up the right alley I mean the Ferrari thing I mean that side the side pods and the bodywork are so unique is phenomenal but I've heard one um, very experienced car designer from from a, a, a while ago look at the Ferrari and go hmm that looks like it was designed by committee you know the front end looks like it was going one way and the back end looks like it was going somewhere else so nobody really knows what's going to work in these in these new regs but um, they're such a difference right the way through. and with Williams is incredibly radical I mean can we talk about that Tom did you see did you see that I mean it's it's phenomenal, the packaging on that thing. Oh, well, they've got, I don't know what it means, but center line cooling, which means that, uh, I don't know. but it, The it cooling's in the center the, line. <laughs> yeah, and they can really shrink the side pods. That thing's got tiny side pods, but I think there is a little bit more weight higher up. So you may, uh, that may challenge the, the center of gravity. But it's lovely to see Williams doing what Williams always used to do. And, and, you know, I asked Jos Capito, what was the brief to your design team? And he was, he said, it's to go out and design the best racing car we, we can. It is to challenge them and don't be afraid to come up with new ideas. And that's encouraging after what's been a, a, a difficult few years for the team that they're now going, come on, let's, let's throw some ideas at this and, and try and so they're come like, up with they're, ideas that Williams are a bit like Ferrari in that they've been, uh, Ferrari have had their kind of, their prancing horse was, was hobbled a bit, wasn't it? When they, they had their problem with their power unit and they were clipped back and they've been in re, um, reset mode, haven't they? As, as have Williams. And they've basically given up last year was like a wasted year and they've been able to maybe devote all more of these resources on the, on the 2022 car. That, that's maybe why they're interesting. And if, if Mercedes think that Ferrari six months ahead um, then yeah you might see you know that the Mercedes and Red Bull have had to expend too much energy on, on fighting a championship last year let's see what happens there 
Okay, well, by contrast, let's talk about the teams who perhaps ran into a bit of trouble. Alfa Romeo were among those who had problems to fix, so not much running for their new driver lineup of Bottas and Joe. In the last one, we had some problems uh, with the car that uh, we have to force to stop on track. We have to investigate uh, what happened actually on that side, but uh, on the other side is that uh, yesterday and today in the morning, we managed to do a decent amount of running compared to the first first day. So that that was something positive and uh, of course on my side there's a lot of stuff learned. We, we did have some issues and unfortunately the, the issues we had were pretty costly with, with time. Um, some issues with reliability, some mechanical things but we understand it luckily completely and we know how to fix it. We just didn't have time enough time to during the day to fix it properly. I mean, I have to say this is something of a culture shock for poor old Bottas when he comes from that slick machine that is Mercedes. And if you if you look at how many laps they completed, 175, compared to his old team, Mercedes, on 393. Much bigger problems, though, potentially for Haas pertaining to the tragedy that's unfolding in Ukraine. And, of course, Damon and TC... They are saying it's not possible to run the Russian Grand Prix under current circumstances. But you'd have to say, you know, much more important things at stake here than sport. Yeah, it's um, obviously we're all aware of what's happening out there in um, Russia and Ukraine. And uh, it does impact the sport. Gunter Steiner was not available for the team principal uh, press conference, Tom, was he, for a while? No, Nick, nor was Nikita for the drivers. No. But it was really positive to see Formula One acting so swiftly about the Russian Grand Prix. I know that we always insist that sport and politics shouldn't mix, but we, we all live on this planet. We're all affected by what's happening. Um, and and you, can't, you can't separate life and sport from politics because it's no longer politics, it's war. Before we move on, I know we've said Alpha have got a lot, a lot of work to do and they have ditto Haas, but Alpine as well. Um, it was a scrappy test for them. Um, you know, the DRS didn't work. They weren't able to do uh, any low fuel running because of a fuel pump issue. The car then... Caught on fire. Fire. I was just trying to work out. It was definitely Hydraulic on fire. Hydraulic problem caused a fire on Friday yeah. morning, which meant that there was no running for Ocon at all on that Yeah, Friday. and he actually left early and didn't... Another one who didn't turn up at the press conference, Damon, because he left early because he, he wasn't going to get to drive the car in the afternoon. And you've got to remember with Alpine that they're the only ones using that Renault power unit. So, you know, they're getting much less data because they've got fewer... Which laps. must be very isolating, yeah. really, in terms of yeah, data and development. Yeah, so I think the car, the car was proving problematic, and they, uh, I think Alonso said that the power unit is a step forward, um, but there is, I think, a lot of work still to do there. Let's hope they turn up in Bahrain uh, with everything working a little bit better. Well, Damon, can you relate to any of this? Did you ever have tests that sort of went completely wrong and you just didn't get out? And how frustrating is it? Um, you have to say with Williams, I can't remember not driving. He used to get out. They were kicked out of the garage at nine o'clock in the morning. We had to keep going around till till five. So it's very unlike, you know, unusual for, for Williams to have problems that held you up all day. You had a few engine failures in the early days with development on the Renault uh, but they were almost trying to blow up the engine and they didn't take long to change a new one so but when I went to Arrows yes I basically spent most of my time in the motorhome to the point where I was sitting it in the motorhome waiting for them to put in another Yamaha engine and uh, I thought I'm 
there's not much for me to do. So I went up the, to Granola's where Tom is coming to us uh, live from uh, his hotel room and I bought a guitar and I went back. <laughs> I, I basically sat in my, I, I've, I've still got it. It's a very nice cherry red um, kind of uh, acoustic guitar when I sort of sat in my um, motor. And so that was basically because there was nothing to do. Yeah, everything kept breaking the whole time. Well, at least you put your time to good use. Well done you. I could have learned to speak Spanish or something like that, really. But um, <laughs> yeah, we didn't have in those days uh, iPhones or computers. Well, we had computers, but we didn't have the internet. I don't think we did anyway. What about Jordan? Jordan was not so bad as that. No, we had no. We we got we got quite a bit running in with them. But uh, but one of the worst things that happened with a new season was that um, I went out in the Williams and we had an automatic downshift. So I went down the straight in Barcelona and you're supposed to basically it was supposed to be a case of you press a button before you get to the corner and then as your car slows down the gears automatically go down through the box. But they wouldn't suppose they weren't supposed to change down until the revs had dropped enough for it to go to the lower gear and someone had forgot to put over the winter they'd gone through the computer or something like that and forgot to put the bar the change down bar in there so i literally went past the pits 200 miles an hour down to the first corner hit the button and the car started changing down but the engine revs were going up and up and up until eventually the engine just exploded and and threw me into the um into the barrier but i remember just thinking i uh, literally literally the first run of a new season in a new car and i hit this self-destruct button and i got out and thinking, what the hell was that all about you know how did i uh did i press the wrong button but basically <laughs> thankfully it was a software problem what's it like when an engine blows i've always wondered that you hear a little tinkle first. Usually you hear just a little... How long before? Like How long then, before? A uh, fraction of a second. And sometimes you, you lose his power. Um, so you're going along. Usually it's flat out. It's under maximum stress. And then there'll either be a, like, a slight tightening or a little tinkling noise. And then pff, all hell lets loose. You imagine there's the energy inside one of those things when you've got a tiny bit of metal being bounced around inside a piston or... Oh, something seizes up, it just explodes. And yeah, it's pretty exciting. Scary. Right, as we've mentioned already, the teams are still getting to grips with this new generation of cars and particularly their flaws. Quite a few of them seem to have a problem with porpoising. You might have seen the clip on F1 socials of Charles Leclerc's Ferrari bouncing up and down on the main straight here in Barcelona. And you might have wondered, what's going on? Well... To explain it all, here is F1 Nation's simple guide to porpoising. The flaw of a 2022 Formula One car is designed to generate downforce. At high speeds, this sucks the bottom of the car down towards the track. But if the floor gets too close to the ground, it stops generating downforce. Suddenly, the car's not being sucked down towards the track as much anymore. So it springs upwards, away from the track. All of that happens really quickly and quite aggressively, over and over again. So the cars go up and down, up and down, up and down, as they go along. Sounds good, doesn't it? A bouncing car is potentially, obviously, very unstable, therefore very bad for performance. As Mick Schumacher says, it doesn't feel very nice in the cockpit either. Well, I guess it's not the most comfortable, but I guess it seems like that's going to be, uh, for now, the, the trend, and we'll just have to figure out how, uh, how to get rid of it and, and you know, make the car not bounce as much so that we, in the race, have uh, maybe no reliability issues. 
So that's what's happening to the cars and the drivers. And by the way, it's called porpoising because porpoises, as you, I'm sure you know, are small dolphin-like sea mammals, which kind of move up and down as they swim. So the cars are effectively moving in the same way. I thought it was a Damon Hill dance move. Well, you, you can actually, uh, uh, people at home can, can do this demonstration on their own. You just get a piece of paper and you, you put it on the table and you blow under it and it will flap. But basically that's, that's what's happening. The speed of the air basically blows the, the car down to the ground, actually sucks it down to the ground, but then it shuts off the airflow and then springs back up. So you get that flapping effect on the piece of paper. So, I mean, you could just call it flapping. Flapping. You, I mean, you could call it flapping. Porpoising is better. But... <laughs> it's very confusing, but then dolphining is much harder to say. But it's principally <laughs> the same thing. I think porpoising is quite Actually, hard do you know, to say it's well. nothing to do with porpoises. It's, it, is, it, is the, it is the Venturi effect, you know, but it's out of control. That's what's happening is it's basically, it's an oscillation. I want to know who coined this porpoising, because apparently it was being used back in the day when ground effect was last a huge thing in Formula One back in the late 70s and early 80s. People were talking about porpoising then. Well, who? Oh, was it a Colin Chapman thing? Have you ever porpoised, Damon? Um, uh, well, not, if that's not, not too personal a question. Not on porpoise. <laughs> Sorry, that's hey. good. Uh, very good. Gold. Um, gold. It, it has happened before, but not in the same way uh, as we're experiencing here. But it, the aerodynamics of a car will create um, a kind of oscillation if you've got like for instance you know your springs are too stiff or or you know whatever but it won't work unless the floor is actually generating this this uh, effect so the greater the energy that the floor will create the more likely it is to happen and the harder it is to control it george russell had a solution to porpoising he said we should introduce active suspension keep the car at a constant right height. Well, well, the suspension is much stiffer this year, isn't it? That's part of the problem. So bring back active suspension. What does the man who actually raced an active car feel about that? Well, he's absolutely right, because the, the brilliant thing about the active car was it could control much better the ride height of the car. So if you look at pictures of the car I drove in 1993, you'll look at it and think, wow, why is it on the floor? It literally was measured, it, it could keep its distance from the ground uh, to within half a millimeter, plus or minus. So it looked, we, we didn't have the tunnels that you have now on the, on the 2022 car. We had a flat bottom. Um, you could still generate downforce from that, uh, provided you could control the, the, the height of the car um, from the ground and normal springs and dampers struggle because they're passive they in other words the greater the load on the car the more they squash up and the, and the stiffer they get and the more likely they are to rebound whereas with the active car the computer goes right that's close enough we'll just keep it there and um, off you go it's fantastic good on you George that 93 Williams Damon I mean let's it changed you're gear. You're going to ask me what I did. I know what you're, it you're drove going like to What did I do? Constant right hope. <laughs> yeah, well, well, basically, yeah. I just steered. It still yeah. needed someone to steer it. Yeah. <laughs> just turn the just turn the steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Probably had ABS as well, right? Uh, we had everything. Eventually, by by the end of it, we had everything on it. It was phenomenal. So you couldn't lock a wheel. A bit of traction control traction as well. Control ABS. Uh, so you could just stand. We on had. It pressure sensitive brakes so that you could turn up the boost basically on the brake pressure um so you didn't really have to press that hard but you could oh. you could just touch the brake and the thing would stop i've got my ground effect t um thing here and i'm gonna blow for the benefit of people at home. oh god oh to, god we're having a demo you're gonna have oh a my god it's gonna flap it's not gonna pour points it's gonna flap hang on a second can you hear that that that, that noise 
Yeah. Brilliant demo. Try it Brilliant. at home. <laughs> get a bit of paper. You get a couple of pencils and then you put the paper on top of the pencils and blow as hard as you can. And of course, the piece of paper flaps up and down because it's not controlled. It's not damped. Damon, it's moments like that when I think we should video the, the recording of this podcast. All we could see was your bottom in the air. <laughs> well, that we could hear flapping, a blowing noise. Yeah. No, we could just hear <laughs> and saw your bottom. Uh, sorry about that. Well, on the back of Damon's demo, I'm not sure what one of the tech chiefs at Aston Martin can, can add to the problem of porpoising. Uh, but let's, let's give him a chance. I was catching up with Aston's performance director, Tom McCulloch, to talk about just how different the 2022 cars are and how to get the best out of them. The aerodynamic regulation change is, is huge. Uh, this is tearing the rule book up and starting totally again. So fundamentally a ground effect car generates its downforce uh, in a very different way to last year's car. So you know, as the car speed increases and the car gets lower to the ground, um, the whole diffuser, the ground effect as we call it, um, is more and more performance. So yeah, produces some of its highest load at the, the highest speed. And what are the biggest things you've learned this week? This week's been about understanding um, the actual car on track relative to our development tools. So we've obviously spent a year in a virtual world, whether it's uh, CFD, uh, the wind tunnel from an aerodynamic side of things, and then that information uh, over into the simulator and all the offline simulations. So this week's all been about correlation to those tools and understanding, you know, what the car is actually doing, mainly aerodynamically, but there's a lot of other mechanical systems on the car to cope with the difference in aerodynamics that we've been uh, trying to correlate. And are you having to find lap time in a different way to last year in terms of how you set up the car? Yeah, we are. Largely the setup of the car is dependent on two main things, the aerodynamic characteristics and the tyres, and those two have totally changed. So we're having to understand the car. We've been doing a lot of mapping of the car, a lot of aero rakes on the car, understanding what this car on a track actually does, reliability, um, and then I think more of the performance work is going to start uh, in Bahrain, um, the first uh, official test. One of the words that people, I don't think it's been coined here this week, I think it was used last time we had ground effect uh, in Formula One back in 1982, but Uh Yeah, so there's been a lot of talk about porpoising and uh, for sure a lot of cars in the straight line are, uh, are seeing that happening. Now, as the speed of the car is increasing um, and with the aerodynamics, uh, the, the shape of the underside of the car as it's getting closer to the ground, um, and there's a lot of load is generated. Um, obviously, from a regulation side of things, um, uh, you're always trying to slow the cars down. As engineers, we're always trying to make the cars as fast as possible. Um, now, you need robust aerodynamics uh, to be able to drive quickly. Um, and it's easy to do robust aerodynamics, but with no performance, you know. So people are trying to push how hard you can push the aerodynamics um, with keeping the car stable. Um, and that's the challenge a lot of people have been having. And are the cars faster than you were expecting because I think when F1 introduced the idea of these cars back at Silverstone in 21 they said they're going to be four seconds a lap slower than what we had before it seems that they're closer is that the reality 
Yeah, obviously Formula One's job is always to slow us down and our job is always to go as fast as we can do. Um, so the development rate is quite high, um, I'm sure, for all teams still at the moment because the regulations are still quite new. Um, we had a good idea that, that this car was going to be very strong uh, in the sort of medium-high speed corners. Um, from an efficiency side of things as well, uh, the ground effect is quite efficient uh, way of generating the downforce. So, uh, yes, the cars are a little bit quicker than we were all thinking they were going to be, uh, and I think that's only going to carry on. And what about the reliability? You guys are too good. You're too good. You're pounding round. I mean, Max Verstappen, 147 laps on the opening day of the test. Extraordinary. Yes, reliability has obviously um, been pretty good up and down the pit lane. Um, our first two days of testing, we've been uh, trying to get you know significant laps in, and we've been achieving uh, reasonable mileage. Um, it hasn't been our main priority. We've been obviously driver changing. We've been trying to evaluate a lot of parts on the car. Um, but uh, yeah, all teams are getting reasonably reliable. But I think by the end of this test and the end of Bahrain, you're going to start to see a few few more problems. And have you been surprised by the variations? between teams I think that's been really interesting you know you, you give 10 sets of aerodynamics totally new rules without any input bar I suppose the F1 show car and the work that was done uh, in the initial studies uh, and then the interpretation of that mainly the whole side pod area um, but also a bit on the front wings uh, and the noses but the main the main bit has been um, obviously, the visual bit is, is what's happened with all the side pods. And yeah, I think it's fantastic. It's been a real test of everyone's understanding and tools. Uh, it's going to be interesting how they start to converge a bit, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's great for the sport and the cars look great. Certainly is. So, Tom, Aston Martin this year, how confident are you guys? Obviously, uh, there's very early stages at the moment, and uh, we're in the I think second year of a sort of five-year plan that the sort of uh, the team has outlined. Very early st stages of the uh, development of this car as well. So we're still in the understanding and learning phase of this car. Um, trying to get the most out of this car. You've got to expect the top two or three teams from previous years to still be the stronger teams with all the uh, recent experience of uh, developing cars at the front. But, you know, we're, we're aiming to get closer and closer to that uh, as this season goes on. And uh, let's see. Do a lot of finding out pretty soon, Tom. Not long to wait now. Thanks, Tom. Best of luck. Thank you. Well, I think my takeaway thought is the interpretation, the fact that... You know, people might have gone down a blind alley and others may have opened up an incredible avenue of development. And it's just so interesting to see how people have interpreted these different rules. And we all thought the technical regs were going to be too prescriptive, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. But we couldn't have been more wrong. No, like Tom, Tom said, it was very interesting as you give a load of people um, a set of regulations and you go and w tell them to go and sit in separate rooms and come up with uh, their interpretations. And it's, it is, has done that. I mean, it has produced a huge difference. He used an interesting word, though, which was convergence. So in other words, mm. that's what we were referring to earlier. They'll be looking at each other and going, mm, they've got it better than us. And obviously, you don't want everyone to end up with the same car, but sort of that's what happens in Formula One because they pursue, inevitably, they will pursue the best solution. But it is a real challenge, and it's a fascinating um like an examination. They've all been given an examination and come up and told to come up with the answers. Some of the answers have been different, but will produce the same result because there's two different ways to, to skin these cats. So um, it will be interesting. Which, by the way, is a horrible expression. And you, as an animal lover, Damon, shouldn't be using it. No, no, um, quite right. So what <laughs> I, is a different way to peel... Everybody who skins cats. A different way to peel an orange, then. How about that? 
Better, better from a vegetarian. Thank you. Poor cat. <laughs> All of the teams employ spy photographers and it's been almost amusing to watch them with their long lenses all taking photographs of each other's cars and uh, i'm going to use another cat reference but real game of cat and mouse and um there'll be thousands of photos of each of the cars right now being studied in the design offices all over the formula one teams and then as you say when we turn up in bahrain will we start to see that convergence or is it going to take a little longer before it all filters through uh, and we actually see these changes on the cars but i think there's no doubt that come mid-season there will be convergence uh, it's just a question of how quickly they can get to that point hey, all right tom and also georgia piola has been making a living before they had digital cameras before they had all this of sketching um, mm. cars and he he goes back decades having done this but he used to just have his they used to just be him wandering up the, the pit lane and looking closely at the uh cars and doing these sketches and stuff uh, for decades now he's been making a, a fantastic living just on doing that so giorgio paola for for people listening is is uh, an italian and uh, he's been involved doing what damon's just described for about 50 years, and I'm not exaggerating, it is 50 years. And by the end of a, a regulation cycle, George is always a bit fed up. And he goes, I can't keep doing this because it's not very exciting from a technical point of view. He was at the Barcelona shakedown. And Damon, Nat, you'll be pleased to know that Giorgio was so excited by everything he was seeing. And I might add particularly excited about the Red Bull. He said Adrian and his team, Adrian Newey and his team have come up with some wonderful solutions uh, to the problems of these new technical regulations. But George, he was working till 10 o'clock. He's, he's about 76 and he was working till 10 o'clock at night. He was back in the media centre at 7am every morning, loving it still. Right. Just like all the teams and drivers, F1 Nation has got a new look for 2022. We have new artwork, new theme music, and we have a brand new sound for our favourite feature, Ask Damon. Questions, please. Damon Hill, do you think it's time maybe you should change your approach to racing? <laughs> well, I don't know even how to start answering that question, but anyway. Questions, please. Damon, were you happy with the start? Damon Hill, congratulations for this winning Damon. You must be satisfied. Any questions? Yeah. Well, Damon, it must have been absolutely gutting that last couple of laps. Damon, it looked like he had it really under control. Some more questions, please. Damon Hill has done a fantastic job. God, it's a hell of a build-up. <laughs> uh, so I've done a fantastic job, according to Murray Walker. Well, there you are. We haven't answered the questions yet. Should we you hear are, from I them? I think we ought to. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. So for any one of you who's been living under a rock, ask Damon, you get your opportunity, your gateway to the champ. You ask the Oracle anything. And he, quite frankly, will have to give you straight answers. Oh, and he does. Don't you, Damon? You don't shy away from anything. No, well, this is this is totally unfair. I'm not an Oracle, OK? But I have... I have driven in Formula 1 and I have won a world championship and won some Grand Prix. No, so that's okay. That's my qualification. But I'm not, I would never want to contest my colleagues' knowledge, possibly sometimes superior knowledge of the sport. So, so quite often I'm going to throw the question, no. you, I'm going to throw the question back to you guys. Okay, well, we will answer these questions together as a team. 
No, starting with you. It's the royal we. It's the royal we. It's all on you. Please tell your fans how they can talk to you directly. If you have a question for me, what you have to do is record it. And if you use your phone's voice recorder app, that'd probably be the best way to do it. And then you send it to me at my new email address, which is askdamon at f1.com. But make sure you record your questions as a voice note so we can play it out on the podcast. Damon, this is an odd question, given that I've known you for years, but are you Damon or Damon? Okay, if it's, if it's Damon, it sounds like it's Spanish. Damon. Huh? Ah, see. My name is like Ramon. Huh? It's, so I think it's Damon, and, and that's possibly the way I say it. My mum always used to correct people if they said it wrongly. They said it's not Damon, it's Damon. And, and, how many, <laughs> so, and how many times have you been called Damien? She told Murray Walker off of that. Uh, Damien is a, I get called that all the time. I just ignore it. Um, but I have noticed something about you, Tom. You see? You see, you're not, you're not so perfect, right? Yeah. You've been speaking to my wife, haven't you? Formula. Formula. You can't say formula. I say formula. You say formula. No, you don't. Do. You say form- formula. No, no, I say no, formula. Right. You say no, formula. No, this is, this is lies. No, you it's don't. Lies. You say formula. 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 You do. Yeah. This is all That's lies. You, you, now you're conscious, <laughs> and you're conscious of it. Now you're, you're screwed. <laughs> we've, we've totally thrown you. Well, folks at home... How about a challenge for Ask Damon? Not how to pronounce Formula or Damon, but let's see if we can get a question from every single F1 host nation during the course of the year. Do you like that? Oh, nice. Yeah, I like that. Let's go around the world. And and beyond, by the way. Don't limit yourselves to 22. Let's, you know. I thought you meant beyond the world. Well, <laughs> questions from outer space. <laughs> I'm sure we can do that. So wherever you live... Get recording and please send in your questions for Damon uh, and we will play out a couple on our first episode uh, which comes up just before the season opening Bahrain Grand Prix on March the 15th. Come on, get involved. So it really feels that something special is brewing. We've got another test up next in Bahrain and then of course the first race in the very same country. I for one can't wait. It's going to be great although... It feels just like yesterday that we were racing. These winter breaks get shorter and shorter. And can you imagine what it must be like for the teams with all these regulation changes? And wow, it's just Formula One uh, just doesn't stop, does it? You say we've had a break. We're going to have another one because there's no episode next week. The next will be on the 15th of March, the Tuesday before the Bahrain Grand Prix. And then, of course, we will have new episodes every Tuesday of the season all the way to Abu Dhabi. Brilliant. Can't wait. Get involved. Remember to get those questions in. You're all part of the gang. We love you all. And thank you for listening. And thank you, Damon and Tom from Formula One, for your company. Once again, I missed you. It's good to be back and have these uh, these little fireside chats we have about our favourite sport. We'll be back on Tuesday, the 15th of March. And F1 Nation is produced by F1 and Audio Boom Studios. 